we have been drug out once again into the middle of the Green Mountain National Forest is where we are on another beautiful day and we are with a posse of biologists from Fish and Wildlife and U.S. Forest Service and tell us what we're doing here. Yeah, we're lucky to meet um, Forrest Hammond from Vermont Fish and Wildlife Department and Jacqueline Camot who is a bear specialist and biologist with the department. Thanks a lot guys for inviting us down here. Glad to have you. Yeah, welcome. So we have a study going on in this area looking at the impacts of the Deerfield Wind Energy Project on black bear use of important foraging sites. And so we have a number of animals wearing GPS radio collars and we need to go out and replace one of those collars. So we're gonna make this trek back to this den site and you know where it is why because you can follow them right yeah that's the nice thing about the gps collars is that they send us updates throughout the winter and we're lucky this den he's clearly not under any rocks or anything because his collar has been communicating with the satellites all winter so we can see exactly where he is when we look at his points on a map so the collar is like the iphone in my pocket it's literally taking a signal from the satellite and storing it yeah, exactly. So it's storing that GPS location and then it's also sending it to us through the satellite. So we get updates usually once a week or twice a week during the summer. And so we can kind of track these animals almost in real time. There's a question I'm dying to ask, first of all. Do these bears have a name? Do you guys give them names? We do give them a nickname just to kind of help us keep them all straight. And so we usually give them some sort of nickname that is relevant to their capture or a feature in their home range. So who is this guy we're about to meet? So we call this male Stark after the Molly Stark Highway, which is also called Route 9. First year we had him collared, he spent a lot of time kind of bouncing around Route 9. So, And that's going to take us pretty deep into the Green Mountain National Forest, not too far away from wind turbines, right? Turbines from two different projects. That was a big concern, right, for us, was the turbines disturbing the bears or also breaking up their ability to get to feeding habitat? It was. In fact, it was the issue that the largest number of comments came in from the public was what's going to be the effect of the bears. Because we had, the Fish and Wildlife Department had opposed this project originally because it was the largest amount of bear-scarred beach that we knew of in the state. And it was concentrated, and we felt that it drew bears from a large area when the beech nuts were here. We certainly uh, documented and we expected that we'd have bears come from 20 or maybe 30 miles away to use this area. Explain to us what we're going to encounter when we get there. There's going to be a small crew of us that are going to go in to the site first. Um, Frost is going to have a dart gun um, with a dart loaded with drugs in there to immobilize the bear. And then Chris is going to be carrying a jab stick which also has drug in it, and I'll have the telemetry so that we can kind of pinpoint exactly where the bear is. What are you setting up? Yeah, so we are loading up our, the drugs that we use to immobilize the bear. Basically, you're filling up this syringe, and then what are you going to do with the syringe? How does, how does this work? So we've got, we've got two kind of implements to administer the drug. Um, one is what we call a jab stick. Um, and so it's a long metal pole with a needle and syringe and the appropriate amount of drug on the end. Um, and so ideally that's what we'll use. It requires you, get, you to get a little bit closer, um, but you're able to really gently administer the drug that way. Um, and in a lot of cases when we do this, I mean, the bear doesn't even, if, if they're kind of deep in their kind of hibernation cycle, they don't even react when we do that. So we can actually talk in regular voices now. 
We've uh, trekked through the woods pretty far. So they went off towards where they thought it was and we got down into this big blowdown area where there's lots of stumps and it's pretty tough walking around in here, isn't it, Sarah? Yeah, there's huge trees upturned and just dirt and, and detritus everywhere. But they were able to find the den and they uh, administered the drug to the bear. They're on their bellies now trying to bring the bear up out of its den, which is this basically this big upturned tree with branches all around it. And there are a lot of people. Here, we're, we're going to walk over and take a look. So they are underneath the bottom of this tree right now, and the bear is kind of in the very corner of his den, and they're kind of trying to get him in a position where he's going to be more comfortable and they can do the work that they want to do. And there's a lot of debris, and he's way deep in there, so it's very difficult to maneuver. We could just flip him around and lay him right where kind of Spencer was digging, or do we want to pull him all the way out? Oh, he's... Beautiful. He's. I mean, I, you can't. You can't see all of him right now. And he's. You he can see him breathing. Um, they're making sure that he's not lifting his head or blinking his eyes right now. He smells fantastic too. Really. Boy, he's got a great coat. Look how thick that is. You can't feel his backbone. He got into such good food source. He's probably bigger than we thought, which might be why it took so long for him to go down. So they're putting eye ointment on because while he's under the drug, he kind of loses the ability to blink. And so it helps just protect in case debris gets in his eye so he doesn't scratch his eye or anything. Now we're just we're trying to get him out of the den so that we can lay him in a position so that it's easier for him to breathe and so that we can monitor his vitals and, and change his collar. He's bigger than we expected. I'm listening that's sure. Yeah, yeah. 219. I think he's more. Well, All right, well, that's how yeah. much I weigh. I would be the biggest mammal here, so. Ready? <laughs> Got it. It is 252. Yes. Jacqueline, what do you think? What was he eating then? A lot of acorns and yeah. maybe a touch of corn. <laughs> corn too? There weren't really any beech nuts this year and, and there aren't really any oaks up at this higher elevation. But we know this bear left Vermont and went over into New York where there are a lot more oaks and acorns. There's no seed crop here. They're like, well, I'm going to go sniff it out somewhere else. So it went the whole way to New York to get oak. Probably oak and we could have spent some time in cornfields as, yeah. as well, which is a very risky feeding behavior. Uh, but they gain weight when they do it. Yeah, Yeah, he really did well this fall, better than we had expected. So that's from, great to see. Yeah, from 179 to 252, Yeah, he's still a porker even after the whole winter. Yeah, because you got to think, when he went into that den back in November, he weighed a lot more than 250 pounds, yeah. so he yeah, did well. he looked very good, real thick coat. He'd obviously got in a real good food source. Unfortunately, it may have been a risky food source where he traveled a lot during the hunting season. He may have been in cornfields where the farmers didn't want him there. And so it's riskier, but those years where there are no, not much for natural food, some of our bears that are harvested are actually the heaviest because they took on the risk of going into the cornfields and stuff and put on a lot of weight. Now that's, for me, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned today is, is what you're learning from these collars, that the connectivity of habitats and where they need to go for the entire year is super important. I mean, here's a bear that went the whole way to New York because it needed to find food somewhere farther away and came the whole way back here to den back up on its original home range. And, and that's the cool thing, that, the stuff that you're finding out, is how to keep this connectivity happening. Thanks again for bringing us out here and spending the day showing us the work that you guys are doing and how you're trying to keep bear populations healthy in this habitat. Sure. It was fun having you. Yeah. Thanks for coming along. I'm Kent McFarland. And I'm Sarah Zahendra. 
Thanks for listening to Outdoor Radio.